At some point, poet Liesel Müller must have come across this story about French painter Claude Monet, and it struck her deeply. Not just the irony of a great painter developing an eye ailment that would diminish his eyesight. It was cataracts, in fact, but raising for her the whole question of seeing. What is it to see, truly see? Here are some of the lines she was inspired to write as she created an imaginary dialogue in her poem, Monet Refuses the Operation. Doctor, you say there are no halos around the streetlights in Paris, and what I see is an aberration caused by old age and affliction. I tell you, it has taken me all my life to arrive at the vision of gas lamps as angels, to soften and blur and finally banish the edges you regret I don't see, to learn that the line I called the horizon does not exist, and sky and water, so long apart, are the same state of being. The world is flux, and light becomes what it touches, becomes water, lilies on water, above and below water, becomes lilac and mauve and yellow and white and cerulean lamps, small fists passing sunlight so quickly to one another that it would take long streaming hair inside my brush to catch it, to paint the speed of light. Doctor, if only you could see how heaven pulls earth into its arms and how infinitely the heart expands to claim this world, blue vapor, without end. Lines from Monet Refuses the Operation from the collection by Liesel Müller titled Second Language. In Müller's imagination, Monet's wisdom is almost a declaration of independence, suggesting that the 2020 site we tend to promote and celebrate in our world is an obstacle to truly seeing the world around us, to sensing and feeling the vitality and the interconnection of everything. We certainly remember Monet and his garden and the water lilies in Giverny. Well, his neighbor, Monsieur Carrel, had a farm, and Monet was drawn to the farm fields and to the haystacks, wheat stacks, through the cycle of the seasons, as we know. Today, we'll meet two artists who grew up on farms, where they roamed the fields and were immersed in the fulsomeness of the world that at all times surrounds, nourishes, holds, and stimulates us. That's how philosopher Bruce Wilshire describes it. And in their childhood, they were dancing it, singing it, drawing and scribbling it within the beauty and drama of those farms. And each one has become a visual artist who brings a wholeheartedness to seeing and painting and drawing and a belief that each one of us is capable of such broad experience of the world. Timothy Hawksworth grew up in Ireland and came to the States in 1977. He's been showing in New York since the early 80s, as well as in other cities around the country and in Europe. His work is in many public and private collections, including the Brooklyn Museum, the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, the Irish Museum of Modern Art, and the Dublin City Hugh Lane Gallery. 
He's currently represented by Little John Contemporary in New York and Peyton Wright Gallery in Santa Fe. His work was recently featured in a solo exhibit at the Royal Hibernian Academy in Dublin. We're told there is an urgency and sense of disruption in the marks and the battered surfaces of Tim's drawings, a similar quality that's seen in his paintings. The energized marks relentlessly make and unmake the images that seem to come to us as survivors rather than products of the process. One senses a meditative stillness and equilibrium which overlays the restless quality of the artist's hand in his work. There's also a true sense of aliveness in Lala Zeitlin's pieces. She claims her real education as an artist took place on the family farm here in Lackawanna County, although she studied painting at Bard College and the Philadelphia College of Art. Her work has been shown in and around the Philadelphia area and hangs in many private collections. She's been a practicing body worker and brings this knowledge to her teaching. Lala has taught art workshops with Tim for the past 13 years. The current exhibition at the Circle Center for the Arts, home of the Wyoming Valley Art League in Wilkesbury, features work by Tim Hawksworth and by Lala Zeitlin through December 1st. The artists paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk about their work and the power of seeing. And by the time they left, I couldn't help thinking the timing of the exhibition and our conversation was just right as the troubled year comes to a close and we bring you this conversation on the eve of Thanksgiving. Let's see if we don't get a sense of benediction in the fundamental sense of the word, not in a religious sense, but as Bruce Wilshire reminds us, benediction. In its root meaning, benediction evokes good saying, the saying of goodness, not in a moralistic good-bad way, but in the sense of wholeness, the good of one and all. And in this case, it's not a saying about goodness, not a representation of it, but in their work and in their being in the studio, a presenting of it, its presence resonating within them and ultimately in us, an evocation of it in its power. Timothy Hawksworth. I grew up in this valley in Ireland, and as as a baby I had cataracts. So I had like one-third vision. So I had this great gift that I couldn't really go to school till I was nine because I was learning to read by looking through tiny holes and that focused the eye made a lens. So me and my sister ran pretty much wild on this farm in this valley in Ireland. And in Ireland, the weather moves fast, and especially in a valley, you see it moving over the top. And so everything is vibrating and moving and changing and just it is the, the vitality of the natural world that vibration is, so for me, the place where I feel opened and free is there. So for years I was trying to uh, paint it and get back to it, and it was quite a struggle, and it was tied to sort of, in a way, mourning the loss of it. But after eight years after I emigrated, I actually had this realization that that ecosystem is inside me. And that helped with the painting. You each have a distinct voice and way of working with paint. 
but there is that energy in both cases where the images are alive, and I'm sure when we're standing in front of them instead of just looking on a screen, there is what we could say is presence. There's a sense of aliveness there. And I wondered if you could say or would you say that there was some sense of your life on the farm that contributed to what you do now in painting. Yes, yes, that's very true. Uh, the question It's a good question because it's kind of what is, what it does happen. And um, I think that my work is, number one, is very immediate. And it's very connected to, like when Tim said he and his sister ran wild for nine years before he went to school. I have three sisters, so there were four of us, and we were wild children on this huge farm. And we could play. We, I can't believe my parents let us do what we did. I don't think they knew how much we did. We, we even, I mean, I built, started building a log cabin when I was 10, and the tree was about, you know, a good 20 or 24 inches in diameter. I started cutting this tree down, and I was sure that it was fine, and I was just cutting the tree down, and we told my father, and he kind of said, let me see this. <laughs> God slowed down a little bit, that project. But the idea is that we would immerse ourselves, and I would immerse myself completely and abandonedly in the farm. And it, 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 that's how I paint, and I paint that. What's sort of interesting in the difference is that Lala's quite often has what you might call davic, is that the right word? The, the, the forms of nature appear in the paintings magically, while for me the vibration, and maybe for you too, but for me, as I understand it, it's more it opens my body. So I don't find the, those forms that she finds I'm jealous, <laughs> but I find the, how my body is opened and vibrated, and I get past all the nonsense of my head chatter. Lala, did I read in a biography on your website about workshops that you do actually do body work? Oh, yes. I, I spent about 35 years doing body work as a, as a formal modality of, of channeling energy, of healing energy. But I've, I've sort of stopped doing that. But when Tim says this opens up his body, you can understand that completely. Yes. <laughs> it's a good connection because that thing happens when I'm doing body work, and it happens when I'm painting, but it happens in a different way. There's something about in the painting, touching my mediums are usually oil, charcoal, waxes, more, more towards oil paints and charcoals and... Uh, not acrylics uh, or water so much, more the, the uh, denser materials. But there's a relationship with those materials that makes me uh, immerse myself in the material so much that the materials, like almost like an extension of my body, and it starts speaking the way words do. Like, I don't know I'm going to be saying what I'm saying next, and then the materials are doing the same thing. They just go out on the paper like that. Authors sit in these chairs where you are, and they say, well, you know, I'm writing, but I am not sure that I'm writing. Sometimes there are characters who develop and tell me where to go. Is that sound yeah. similar? Yeah. I think this is, uh, is a place where maybe the people who don't do this kind of thing and people who do, the chasm starts to create. And I think it's, an, it's, it's actually simpler <laughs> quite often than it is talked about in that 
we all get different instruction inside ourselves. We have consciences. We have athletes who make decisions faster than their minds. So that idea that you can get a different instruction, I think people can maybe identify with that. For me as a painter, uh, I have to only follow the different instruction because my brain is not, not particularly helpful. So the discipline is getting past my brain's instruction and my brain does not like it and it will constantly try to colonize the practice. And every time I get thrown to the floor. But the gift of painting is that it shows you right in front of your eyes, it says yes or no. <laughs> and that is simple. So the difficulty I think maybe for people is we're not trained to sit in how we are affected. And that is how paintings work, as I understand it. So paintings pick up on what the natural world does to us, as I understand it. And so when people go for a walk in the woods, they're not worrying about composition or meaning. They're allowing the forest to open them and soothe them or stir them. And those are the eyes I advocate bringing to painting. So it's not esoteric or difficult. Uh, it's maybe a little different. But we have that ability, but seldom are we taught to bring that sensitivity to the viewing of art. And isn't it getting even more remote in the way we are living with devices and spending more time on screens than being out in those woods that we could be? Yeah. Yes, I think that the, there is a great hunger and a great need and a great unhappiness from the lack of the kind of contact that the natural world and these ancient practices can give us. And so, yes, the devices leave us lonely, separated, reduced. Painting's job is to expand us, bring us closer, open us up. <laughs> <laughs> and Lalo, you grew up on this farm with four of you, the quartet of wonderful sisters running wild in your dad's, not knowing everything that you did. Did you always sketch? Did you yeah. always? I always painted and sketched. And, and, you know, kids stack things and build things and make stuff. So we always had all those materials. We were always sculpting and building and painting and painting with mud and charcoal and oil paints. I was given oil paints when I was about, I guess about seven, when I was old enough not to eat them because they smelled really good. You know, you'd want to eat them. <laughs> no, I've always painted and drawn. And Tim, you with your eye difficulties, you'd think, well, there are some things that I can do, some things I can't. Even while you had this condition, were you impelled to sketch? Or? Yeah, I was always painting. And uh, because as a baby, I had cataracts. And it was sort of a phenomenon. So they would take me to London, to, to Harley Street, where the experts wanted me as a sort of subject of study. And my mom would take me to the museum. So, you know, God bless her. She didn't say maybe we shouldn't encourage the blind kid to become a painter. <laughs> so what I learned was that seeing is not 2020. So, you know, we had horses and ponies and donkeys and, you know, getting on a, a pony and feeling the animal, you could actually pick up on the, the sensitivity of the animal, it would, how it sees and reacted to the weather. So uh, I started to be able to understand, I think, that you see with your whole body and then the long journey is to eventually 
figure out that you, you see with your heart. And that took a while. <laughs> so, but I, I, I think that the definition of seeing it tends to be a bit reductive. And the lovely thing is that you two offer workshops to help those of us who maybe are limited by our thoughts and our minds and thinking in smaller ways than we might to draw and to work with paints and open up in that way? Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, the, yes, I mean, the gift is the material. <laughs> Materials have such, such depths, such resonance, such honesty, and they're not hard to get in contact with. People think they can't draw because they can't render, but if you think of a, an intense black mark on a piece of paper, and you see how does that affect you? It can affect you like a musical note. If it's got sharp edges, it'll be sharp and clear. If it's got fuzzy edges, it'll be muffled like a sound. And how much white it energizes. You know, you're already in the language, experiencing the language, exploring it. The hard part is getting past what people think they need to do. You know, I was going to say something about acceptance that I've learned since I started working with you, Tim, which was a way of seeing differently than I had I'd say when I was really young in painting, I had that openness, but I sort of didn't know it. I was automatically in it. And then there was a long period in the middle of my life where I, I was pu pushing in, you know, and trying to, you know, it was like a, a huge pressure. And then after I started working with you about 24 years ago, something you showed me how to see with, like, uh, to see with my whole body, to see with my whole experience. So I'm not just using my physical eyes, and I'm not just separating out with my sort of imagination. I am really using, you could say, if, if you're familiar with the chakras, I'm using the whole thing to see. So it's like one, my body is one big eye, or my heart yeah. is one big thing. So then that speaks on the paper. You yeah. know, that's... Yeah, Great. I mean, I, I guess that was sort of shut down for me for many years. And then when you, you know, you really help that open up in the work. And I don't want that to sound too esoteric because it's the same eye that a carpenter sees straight, level. The body mm -hmm. knows level. The mind does not know level. The you body, sense the horizontal. The body knows balance. So it's not, again, it's Vertical. not this sort of, doesn't just happen in New York. <laughs> and it would seem that what you're describing is what it can mean, what it has to do with who we are as human beings. It does open us up to everything, to the suffering in the world, as well as the beauty of the forests right. and the fields, right? Yeah, one of the questions I ask people in the workshop is, you know, you were this baby, came into the world, just this beautiful, clear, sweet-hearted creature. What happened to your sweetheart? That is your story. How has this being on this planet affected you? So that is a subjective doorway. Painting is always a subjective doorway into the communal, but it starts there. So that brings up, I mean, when we work with people, we work with, you know, people who have been traumatized in all kinds of ways. They've had joys and suffering. We were just talking about this, and Simone Weil said that in order to you know, if you want to understand justice, you want to understand morality, good government, you start with those, you talk to those who suffer. 
because they know, and you build from that knowledge. So as, as, as artists trying to fill out what it means to be human, this, this sort of journey of our heart through our lives and what happens to us, that the, the nature of, of how personal that is and how it can be shared along with our joys becomes this sort of filling out of our communal experience. So that's why we do the workshops, because it's, in a way, you get to work with people's souls, which is much easier than their personalities. <laughs> and we are invited now to see your work at the Circle Center for the Arts of the Wyoming Valley Art League. And we're talking about seeing, seeing nature, seeing each other, perhaps. But when we see a work of art, then we often try to figure it out, don't we? We say, that well, that's a tree. Someone who hasn't had a sense of what it means to behold a work of art, that's another thing we m need to learn. Yeah. Oftentimes, I will go to shows and watch people see, watch people look, and I'll look at the work, but then I'll watch people look. And I, I can see when somebody's seeing or not seeing, uh, oftentimes. And, and it's like, wow, we really, it would be great to learn to see all of us because when we see really the more we see the less we judge and the more accepting we are and then it, it sort of plays out into our lives and in the lives of the community so there's a whole key there with with learning to see and sometimes using painting as a way of learning to see helps the doorway into less judgment about other things, but it, do, it doesn't take away discernment. There's a difference between judgment and discernment. I'm talking all full body seeing is really when you go into and see a painting, I guess I'm advocating sort of, that. Use your yeah. knees, use your heart, use your feet, brain, your unconscious, let everything open up and just stand there. There's no need to know what you're looking at. You don't need to kind of get it consciously. You just stand there and receive it. It's a gift. It's a gift. You're getting a gift. It's like, wow, I'm getting a gift. Free. Here. Amazing gift. <laughs> <laughs> we had one, you know, we always ask for questions. And somebody said, well, I go to these museums, I walk around, and I don't feel anything. So it was like, that was a really great question because it was so honest. And so I would say to people, yeah, it's like, how do you sit, stand in front of it like you're in front of the pond or a lake or you just let it affect you? But go where where you're attracted. <laughs> you know, if my paintings don't attract you and another one does, go there. Go to where it is and then do that. But don't torture yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is this work new work or is it a range of work over a period of time that we'll see in the show? My pieces are not the newest piece I have in there. It's about three years old. I have a recent work. Yeah, it's a fair spectrum of work. Actually, there's one from 1998 and then there's a big painting which was done before COVID. It was actually a series I did when my mother passed and it was a strange experience because you know I was in there and I'd always thought well when the spirit leaves it's just the body and then when I saw the body and she is tall and she was laid out like she when she was old she, does, she was like 94 so when she was laid out all the sort of the aches and pains gone she had her full length and she had this sort of grandeur you know you spoke earlier about the the energy and then the stillness 
so the like how the valley has the energy of everything moving and growing and shifting and the river and the weather and then the mountains holding it she had that the the stillness of that valley where she lived most of her life so it it really uh, struck me and then they put her in the box and took her out and we celebrated her life as a person and those two experiences sat in my consciousness very differently so this series of paintings was trying to you know whenever you go in the studio and you try and paint something you're kind of that's not a good plan <laughs> but they came so a series came around that theme so one of those paintings is in the show and then there's some of my horse drawings from over the years so it's a spectrum let's talk more about your images as I said before we began, they're not still lifes in the academic sense. There's so much vibrancy, but even so, there seems to be a stillness that centers the works somehow. You know, for a painter, the toughest thing to come up with now is an image, because images are a dime a dozen. We are all drowned in images. We are, <laughs> how many photos on the phone, how many Billboard, we are just image sick almost. It's like just too much cake. <laughs> so uh, to find an image that has, that sits, I just, for me it has to just work, which means it is not, it is surprising, it is new. So for me it is an image that in a way is constantly changing. Every time you look at it, it's going to be a little different. So that's bringing you down to this place of sort of dissolution and finding form. And the place where form is at its strongest in nature and in science and in painting, as I understand it, is when just that moment when the form catches right before it falls apart. So finding that place, so that's the catch, the catching of the painting or the gift of the painting coming in, it's better description. So that's what I'm looking for, especially in the newer work. And Lala, when you hear Tim describe that, does that speak to something of your experience in terms of catching the form? Yeah, very much so. And in, in the the changing of it, how, well, again, about seeing, which comes from wherever I am inside myself, like who's doing the seeing? And then I could see the same thing right now and then right now, and I could see them very differently. So that the paintings shift. The same painting is very different each time I see it. That's what I find. I find that especially in Tim's paintings. I mean, I think I noticed that. I, I guess I see it in mine, but I don't see it as much in mine. Maybe you see it in mine more than I do. But in your painting, I can walk in the room, see your painting, and go, wow, I never saw that before. But I have. I've seen it a hundred times. So that's where it moves. It's almost magical because it's so connected, I feel. The, when, when you're painting and you're centered and you're in it, there's something magical that shows up so that it'll, it'll move you at any given moment. I think maybe a good example might be you're sitting around your Thanksgiving dinner and there's the chat going on and then somebody starts to say something. And the way they say it is sort of spontaneous and clear, and it grasps everybody. It just hits. It's, just, it's a total surprise. It's totally unselfconscious, totally honest, and it holds. That will be remembered as this sort of sharp vibrational hold in the same way maybe as a painting. 
And it's amazing, isn't it, that we all, if we give ourselves a chance, we, we can see it. And it's so amazing. And when you see it, you're like, wow. Oh, and I see it. <laughs> and we're all, we're brothers and sisters in that. It can be from Africa, from Japan. That's an amazing thing, that it collapses time and difference in the moment of seeing a painting. It's just gone. And we're there together. We ride the wave like, a, like we're on a little raft together we lift it well that's the gift of it because it's not a theory it's not a sermon it's an experience and that makes it convincing and that makes it change us allows it to change us i think when you invite us in especially to see your work in an exhibition like this is to have those experiences would you use the word conversation when we stand in front of your painting lala and we allow it to affect us if we are so disposed and it opens us up to a certain way, we discover something about ourselves, right? Yeah, I mean, often that happens if, if you're aware of your reception. It's often, it's funny because my work, when you were talking before about how writers will often say, I don't know where that came from or who's doing the writing or maybe this character is making the book happen. And, and in my paintings, most of them that work for me all of them that actually work for me are ones that I could say, I'm not sure, I don't know who that was who painted that or did that, but it's very true. So it's like truer than my own mind knows how to do. Yeah, and it's such crucial. It's like balance. You know, balance is either balanced or it's not. <laughs> and that we have to start somewhere. And sort of when I came to painting in Ireland in the time of the Troubles, there was a group of young painters and there were no galleries. It wasn't like a, a career choice, but it was a way to get straight because each of the communities that were going to war with each other had their own stories. No, maybe similar to what we have now. And their own, every, every event, every uh, terrorist attack, there were two different versions, two versions of everything. And so, you know, as artists, it was like, well, how do we, what do we stand on? How do we break that? and get to some kind of footing. And that is where the stuff of paint, the matter, and the nature of painting is a way to do that. You can do that with words, but you have to almost bring them back to the, the sound. You have to go back in time. You have to find the bedrock of language, which the poets say they put language in a state of emergence. It's the same thing. You have to, you have to undo it, bring it back down to the, to the footings. And that's... Uh, yeah, that's work, but it's crucial work, I think. Artists Timothy Hawksworth and Lala Zeitlin speaking with us about their work in connection with the current exhibition at the Circle Center for the Arts, home of the Wyoming Valley Art League, 130 Rear South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre, running through December 1st. For more information, wyomingvalleyartleague.org. wyomingvalleyartleague.org. It's Tim Hawksworth and Lala Zeitlin. They're artists from Spring Hills Farm in Lackawanna County, and their work is on exhibit at the Circle Center for the Arts, home of the Wyoming Valley Art League, 130 Rear South Franklin Street in downtown Wilkes-Barre. And the idea of being in the rear means, in this case, 
that the building is inside the block. It's not on either street side. It's in the middle of the block. And for more information, wyomingvalleyartleague.org. The show is up through December 1st. And if you'd like to learn more about Tim and Lala's artists' workshops, you can check our website, springhillsfarm.org.